way. More than enough. Denoid. You are listening live here to Brandon's World on this Monday, March 14th. 2022. It is indeed March. The madness is up on us. NFL free agency is running like the wild, wild west. LeBron James is dropping 50. Then the next night he's getting blown out by 30 by the Phoenix Suns. And of course, the March Madness Tournament bracket is here. We are going to be going over the entire bracket today. Now, we were originally going to do that at the beginning of this show until last night. Last night, folks, a bomb dropped in the National Football League. And that bomb drop is Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., the undisputed GOAT in the National Football League, the 45-year-old quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team that should now be favored to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl, is back. Folks, I got to tell you, I never in my wildest dreams imagined that Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. would leave the game of football before walking off the field with another Lombardi trophy. I never in my life imagined Tom Brady leaving the NFL after losing in a divisional game after he all-time goaded down 27-3 midway from the third quarter down 24 points in that ball game to the eventual Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. Tom Brady did what Tom Brady always does and brought his football team back. If it wasn't for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, Tom Brady could have been playing against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC championship game. And if that happens, I believe we would have gotten a Buccaneers Bengals Super Bowl. Now, listen, we all wanted a Brady Aaron Rodgers NFC Championship rematch. That did not happen because Aaron Rodgers crapped the bed. That did not happen because Tom Brady's defense crapped the bed the next day against the Rams. But I do believe that next year, the NFC Championship game will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. Listen, I've said this all along. The NFC is a lot weaker than the AFC. You take a look at those quarterbacks in the AFC, whether it's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, uh, Trevor Lawrence, who I believe will be up there eventually soon in Jacksonville now that he has the right offensive mind to coach in Doug Peterson. You know, there's still good teams out there like the Patriots, like the Browns. Who knows what Mike McDaniel is going to do in Miami. So the AFC is absolutely loaded. In the NFC, you have what I believe are the Bucks, You have the Packers. And you could throw in the Rams in there. Though I certainly do not think the Rams will be as good as they were last year. 
We saw what Tampa Bay last year. When you win the Super Bowl, you're never the same team the year after. I think the Rams take a little bit of a step back. San Francisco, listen, I love Trey Lance. I loved him coming out of college at North Dakota State. But who knows how good he's really going to be. We're going to have to see him on film in real games throughout a 17-game season to get a real gist if San Francisco is legit or not. See, we had San Francisco in there. Arizona, who knows what the hell is going on with Kyler Murray. I mean, Arizona's a good team. Are they a great team? They certainly don't have the greatest coach, in my opinion, in Cliff Kingsbury. And then you have teams like Dallas, and we're going to get to this in a second. Dallas just repaid Michael Gallup, but they give up on Amari Cooper. They send another to the Browns for basically a fifth-round pick, which I don't understand that value at all if you're Jerry Jones in Dallas. So I think Tom Brady looked around the landscape as I have in the NFC. And I said, Minnesota isn't very good. Chicago isn't very good. Detroit isn't very good. This is why Aaron Rodgers went back to Green Bay in the NFC South. The Saints don't have a quarterback. The Panthers don't have a quarterback. Atlanta's got an aging quarterback in Matt Ryan. Now, maybe the NFC South does add a quarterback. Maybe one of the Saints or the Panthers goes out and gets to Sean Watson. I think, personally, Houston is asking way too much for Deshaun Watson, even though he got cleared of his criminal charges, I still think he could be taken to civil court. I don't think he necessarily was suspended last year by the NFL. Houston just kind of held him out. It'll be interesting to see if he does get suspended this season, how that affects his trade value. So there's a lot of dominoes to go. But right now, I should say the Saints and Panthers don't have a quarterback. I already mentioned to you the NFC North, the outside of Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't really have a quarterback. So right there, you got Green Bay and Tampa Bay already to me as two locked-in playoff teams. Seattle is not going to be very good next year. So then you're down to the obvious. The Rams, Niners, and Cardinals, which all three of them may make it from the NFC West. So there is, in my opinion, five playoff teams. And then the NFC East will obviously have one representative, which I believe will be Dallas. And the Eagles, I believe, will be that second representative. So there's your seven playoff teams. And it is pretty much the same seven playoff teams, and I believe it is, that made the playoffs last year in the NFC. Now, we know that's unlikely to happen, but the NFC right now is unprecedentedly weak compared to the AFC. And this is definitely, without a doubt, Tom Brady's best chance to make it back to a Super Bowl. I've been saying before Brady went back to Tampa, it was the Packers and Rams kind of in that big NFC class and everybody a titch below them. I would now add Tampa Bay to that category and I would put Tampa Bay just a little bit above Green Bay and the Rams to be the favorite. Now, do I think they're going to have the best regular season? No. Tom Brady's teams never had the best regular season. I think that they will win 11, 12 games. Do I think that will be more than Green Bay? No. So I think Green Bay has the better regular season. But if you guys listen to the podcast that I was on yesterday with, with our friend Austin Arnold from Let's Get It Straight, we talked about the fact that Aaron Rodgers has four MVPs, yet he only has one through more appearance. It's not good enough. I don't care about regular season success. I don't care about regular season awards. The would-be MVP of last season, or what I believe should have been Tom Brady and not Aaron Rodgers, is back. I think Tom Brady has a great chance to win MVP again this season. Football is in the right place, folks. We have the GOAT back. The Bucks are back, and it makes the NFC Conference a little bit stronger. It's another obstacle 
for a team like like Philadelphia or a team like Minnesota or a team like that that's trying to get into the postseason and get better, which Minnesota obviously just signed Kirk Cousins to a one-year extension. I don't love that deal for them. I think that that will backfire, but it makes another obstacle for that team trying to get into the postseason. Now that we know that Brady is back and definitely versus division foes with Atlanta, the Saints, and Carolina, it is one more year where they're going to have to stay behind because the Bucs are going to run the NFC South, and I believe they will be a representative in Super Bowl 57 representing the NFC. Well, not only did the Tom Brady news drop last night, but before that, about 24 hours before that, on Saturday, Amari Cooper news dropped. And Cleveland Browns fans were jumping up and down, saying, we got Amari Cooper. We got Amari Cooper. We're good. We're good. We're good. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I watched Amari Cooper since the middle of the 2018 season when he was acquired by the Dallas Cowboys for a first-round pick from the then Oakland Raiders. Amari Cooper played in mid-2018, 2019 full season. 2020 full season. Now, that was obviously without Dak Prescott, but then 2021 full season with Dak Prescott. That's three and a half seasons. I got to see Amari Cooper as a Dallas Cowboy up and cross playing my division, the Philadelphia Eagles, two times a year. I am here to tell you, Amari Cooper is a number two wide receiver. He was a number one wide receiver in Dallas, and there is a huge, huge difference when it comes to that. Jarvis Landry is a good number two wide receiver. Last year, Brodo Beckham left, he was a number one wide receiver. And because of his injuries, he was never the same. Amari Cooper is a pretty good, solid, very good number two wide receiver. He does not add that DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill, like dog in him. And that is what will mistake the Browns. Now, I give you Andrew Berry and company got him for a fifth-round pick. That is great value. I would take him for a fifth-round pick. But I'm also here to tell you, Amari Cooper will not change the world for the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns better not be done making moves. Amari Cooper better not be the only wide receiver they pick up in free agency or the draft. What Amari Cooper was is the start of rebuilding an offense. Hopefully, an offense that is dedicated around the passing game and getting the ball to your wide receivers rather than the running game and the tight end like it's 1970 for Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns. The NFL world is changing. This draft is stacked, absolutely loaded with wide receiver talent. The best free agent out there is Allen Robinson. Would I be mad if the Browns paid money, went out and got Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears, who I think he is all Sean Jeffrey when the Philadelphia Eagles signed him in 2017. I think he is a borderline number one wide receiver. I'd put him in there who just needs a quarterback. It's funny how that works, right? He comes from Chicago where the Bears Justin Fields, we don't really know how good Justin Fields is going to be. You know, he's with a defensive-minded head coach in Matt Eberflus, with an offensive end coach in Matt Nagy, who I never thought should have been fired in the first place. Fields was okay. He wasn't great. I particularly to Ohio State. I know a lot of people loved him 
I was not the biggest fan of him, just like I was never the biggest fan of Dwayne Aston, just like I was never the biggest fan of Daniel Jones, just like I was never the biggest fan of Josh Rosen, seemed to be right on that. I was never the biggest Justin Fields fan. I thought just his play, his, his, his arm strength, I thought he was a very limited quarterback. I think he needs a lot of support around him to be great. And that Bears organization is certainly a disaster. If he would have went to New England or, you know, San Francisco, I could have seen it work, but that's really not Chicago. Saying that, if the Browns go out and they get Allen Robinson, who, again, I think just needs a quarterback to be very special in this league, whether he goes to a to a better quarterback like, like in Arizona or even a Denver, if they want to add a, another wide receiver or Buffalo or Kansas City or one of these places, LA, wherever, cool. I want him to come to Cleveland and play with Baker Mayfield. I think he will make Baker Mayfield a better quarterback because do I believe the Browns are going to get Deshaun Watson? No. I just got done saying in the last topic that I would not give up three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. I think Houston is steadfast that Denver got, or Seattle, excuse me, got two first-round picks for Russell Wilson, and they can easily get three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. I think three first-round picks for a quarterback who has never really elevated talent around him, especially when he did not have DeAndre Hopkins that last year. I know he led the league in passing yards, but it was a lot of garbage time yards, and the team wasn't necessarily great. So I think that there could be some trouble stewing there as you take a look into the Deshaun Watson numbers. But the fact of the matter is, again, Amari Cooper is not going to change life for the Browns. If the Browns want to go out and sign Allen Robinson, and then you also go out in the draft in the first run, you get a Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State or Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Totally fine with that as well. The Browns need to rebuild their wide receiving core in the offseason. We all knew this. We know Amari Cooper is a start. He is not the number one. He should not be the number one because if he is, it's not going to change your life. The offense needs to change. It needs to be more pass heavy. It needs to be more simple concepts. It needs to be more get the ball out of your hands to protect the quarterback, whether that is Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, or another quarterback. And Amari Cooper is a very good number two. If Amari Cooper is against your number two corner in the NFL, you're going to have a lot of success. Now, Amari Cooper has played very well at home in Jerry's world. It's been his own for the last three and a half years, and he has dominated at times as a member of the Dallas Cowboys at home. On the road, whether it's been in New England where Stephon Gilmore locked him up and made him quit, whether it was in New York, James Bradbury locked him up and made him quit, whether it was in Philadelphia when Jalen Mills locked him up and made him quit, whether it was wherever he's been on the road, Amari Cooper has struggled. I don't know if part of that is the cold weather. He doesn't like playing in cold weather because when he was in Oakland at home as a Raider, he had the same problem. Played in nice weather in Oakland. Obviously, the dirt field in September, but mostly nice weather in Oakland. Goes to Dallas at home. Jerry's World does amazing. Catches eight balls for 90 yards a game and a touchdown. On the road some games, he won't even register a catch. And that is why he is not a number one wide receiver. He is not a game changer. He is not a guy that you can count on every game for five catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Some games he will overachieve. Some games he will underachieve. For Dallas, I think he actually makes the Cowboys more worse than he does making the Browns better. 
I think this is a bad move for Dallas. I don't think C.D. Lamb right now, as much as I love C.D. Lamb coming out of Oklahoma, again, I think he is a number two wide receiver. I don't think he's a number one wide receiver yet. He certainly has the case of the drought, especially for what they're going to consider now a number one wide receiver. They paid Michael Gallup five years coming off a torn ACL. Michael Gallup is a really nice player. He's a really good wide receiver, number three. He's not a wide receiver, number two. I get Amari Cooper was making too much money. He did not want to take a pay cut. Dallas simply just wanted to get rid of him. Now, could the Cowboys go out in the first round and draft a Jamison Williams, a Garrett Wilson, a Chris Olave, a Drake London? Absolutely, they could. And I could very well see that to replace Amari Cooper. But at the end of the day, folks, you need wide receivers in football in today's NFL. The Cowboys just got rid of one. The Browns gained one. He's a very good wide receiver, but he's not going to change life like some of you Browns fans think. There was a lot of NFL news this weekend, but there was also some news going on in the NBA. And one of those news is that on Friday night, LeBron James dropped 50 points for the Los Angeles Lakers in a win against the Washington Wizards. Two nights later, the King, after one of his great all-time great regular season performances, put up another 30-point game against the Phoenix Suns, and his defense gave up 140 points, and the Lakers got blown up by 30. Folks, the reason why this is a topic today is because of LeBron James' greatness. It's not because of the Los Angeles Lakers. As I said last Tuesday on the show, which is a reminder, you can go check us out at Row underscore B-Word on Twitter. You can follow me at Brandon underscore 7, my personal Twitter. You can also check out the Brand World Podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether that be on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, the official sponsor of the Brand World Podcast in Anchor, or wherever you listen to the Brand World Podcast. I said last Tuesday, we came back after our month hiatus, I said the Lakers are a bad basketball team. I said they need to move on from Russell Westbrook at the end of this season. I would consider moving off Anthony Davis and building around LeBron James. Now, building around is a bad term because 38 years old, he may only have one to two years left in the week. But in order to maximize LeBron James' chances, I believe you have to get a better player than Russell Westbrook and a more healthier player than Anthony Davis, who every time he steps out on the court seems to break a limb like, like the guy in SpongeBob who every night breaks his bones. The Lakers last night were playing LeBron James at the center position. Yes, LeBron James, since Anthony Davis has been out, has been playing the five, along with Russell Westbrook, Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, and Malik Monk. This is not a playoff team. It's why the play-in tournament in the NBA is a joke. There should be only eight teams in the NBA playoffs. There should be no 9-10. There should be no play-in tournament. It is a gimmick, and it is a joke. And you guys know how much I dislike gimmicks. It's why I don't like the college football overtime. It's why I don't love the, the whole All-Star weekend, home run derbies, and three-point contests, and dunk contests, and all that. I'm not a gimmick person. I think gimmicks are ridiculous. I think they are for professional wrestling only, which, by the way, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'll agree with Pat McAfee this week on SmackDown. But with that being said, I think the gimmicks are professional wrestling only, and they need to stay out of weeks. The Lakers right now are a gimmick. They're a part of the gimmick. The gimmick is the play-in tournament as a number nine seed. They're not a playoff team. LeBron James is carrying a very bad basketball team. 
They are terrible. They're not even watchable. Oh, 140 points to a Phoenix Suns team, who, by the way, the Suns, they do look legit. They do look at the best team in the NBA this season, even without Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They're winning games. Now, Devin Booker returned out of COVID-19 protocol and flat out has been gushing and scoring at will, playing at the point guard position since he came back and since Chris Paul went down. But you give up 140 points in a basketball game. I don't care if you're the Suns. I don't care if you're the Bucks. I don't care if you're the Wizards. I don't care if you're the Magic. And I certainly do not care if you're a bad Los Angeles Lakers team. This is a bad, bad, bad basketball team. It is sad to watch a LeBron James in year, what is this now, year 18, age 37 years old, just turned 37 on December 30th, 1984, put up these astronomical numbers. He's been carrying my fantasy team this whole season, along with, thank you very much, Trey Young, Devin Booker, Anthony Edwards, Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams, Dylan Bain. Very good fantasy team I drafted. Thank you very much. Well, LeBron James is the clear leader of that fantasy basketball team that I have. He's the clear leader of the Los Angeles Lakers. He's going to lead the league in scoring. He's going to best Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most points in the NBA's all-time scoring once in the regular season. Deck next season. And it's disappointing to watch. Because there's no point. It is a stat award. It's why I said about the MVP. I don't really care. I don't care about scoring titles. I don't care about blocking titles. I don't care about rebounding titles. I don't care about assisting titles. Folks, this is just an icing on the cake where at the end of the day, you'll say, oh, LeBron James won a scoring title in 2021, the 2022 season. That's great. Yeah. For a bad basketball team. And I, and I love LeBron James. Again, I would take him back on the Cleveland Cavaliers in a heartbeat. But this fam, this ain't it. This is only for fancy basketball purposes. This is only for the past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and regular season all-time scoring purposes. That's all it was. It was a great performance, but at the end of the day, it means nothing. I'm not going to go on Twitter and yell, go, 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 screaming about a LeBron James 50-point performance against the Washington Wizards. It was on a Friday night where everybody's out doing something else and you have better things to do on a Friday night than watch Los Angeles Lakers basketball. That's not saying you can't watch LeBron James. I still think he's the second best player in the world right behind Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. But I would not waste my time watching a Lakers team that while LeBron scores 30 points a night, they cannot stop a pillowcase. Moving on, we got a lot of news to cover today, folks. We already talked about the NBA. I want to hit some big NFL stories. But this, man, this was arguably the highlight of my weekend besides the GOAT, Tom Brady, coming back and playing next season for the Damn Bay Buccaneers. If you are watching on YouTube, which, by the way, make sure to check us out on YouTube at Brands World, where we are now starting to post clips of our podcast in case you want to see my face with the virtual background, or in case you just cannot listen on, on audio. Behind me here is SmackDown commentator and YouTube sports show host Pat McAfee destroying Austin Theory, jumping off the announce table. We are 19 days away from the most stupid 
tremendous WrestleMania in history. WrestleMania 38, two nights in Dallas, Texas, April 2nd, 2022, April 3rd, 2022. And on Sunday night, April 3rd, 2022, along with Edge and AJ Styles, along with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship and WWE Championship title unification match. This match may very well steal the damn show on the entire card. Folks, if you have not seen it, go to youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show. Look up at McAfee's promo on him having a dream. Pat McAfee, who we all know was a former NFL punter, retired at the age of 29 to become a sports show host because he is the personality of a punter no one has ever seen. But his goal in life was always to become a professional wrestler. And I believe Pat McAfee has re-energized Michael Cole's career the way Tony Romo energized Jim Nansker when Tony Romo came over to the NFL booth in 2017. Michael Cole and Pat McAfee are the absolute perfect announced team in wrestling this side of JR and Jerry the King Waller. They are a perfect match. And Pat McAfee, the former NFL punter, the man who hosts a talk show, a sports talk show on YouTube, was born, I believe, to be a professional wrestler. If Pat McAfee wanted to do this full-time, become a full-time WWE superstar, he could very well do it. He has the looks, he has the passion, he has the guts, he has the drive, and he has the promo skills to be a WWE wrestler. This is not going to be like Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. This is not going to be like Miz and Logan Paul versus the Mysterios, which for the record, I'm all for both those matches. I think Logan Paul is going to put on a great performance in the ring. I think Johnny Knoxville is going to put on a great performance in the ring. I understand why some of you guys may not like all these pop culture icons coming back to WWE, but at the end of the day, WrestleMania is global. WrestleMania 38 is global. WrestleMania 38 is stupendous. And this is what WWE has been known for throughout their history. Whether it was Lawrence Taylor, whether it was Mike Tyson, whether it was last year with Bad Bunny, WWE has always infused pop culture into wrestling and WrestleMania as a whole. This year, out of all the quote-unquote celebrities, whether it's going to be Logan Paul or Johnny Knoxville, I think Pat McAfee and Austin Theory may steal the damn show. This Austin Theory, as I said last week in our season premiere when I went to Monday Night Raw last Monday in Cleveland, this dude may have gotten one of the best eel reactions of the night besides the Alpha Academy. Those were the two best heel reactions of the whole night. Alpha Academy, who at the time was obviously the Raw Tag Team Champions, and RK Bro, who got the best face reaction tonight. They're probably the second most over people in the company right now, outside of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Austin Theory is doing his job. As a young 24-year-old kid from, from Atlanta, Georgia, Austin Theory is a future star in WWE. And Pat McAfee is mainstream, and people love Pat McAfee. There's a reason why they listen to his conversations with Aaron Rodgers during the NFL season every Tuesday. And this match 
is going to be awesome. I cannot wait for an amazing SmackDown met with Ricochet retaining his Intercontinental Championship over Sami Zayn in the main event. Another terrific match. I'm working against Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania. Who knows what's going to happen with, with Ricochet. I do want to say prayers up to Big E after that nasty fall. If you missed it, go on Twitter and check it out over the weekend. The New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston were in a tag team match against Rich Owen and Sheamus. Rich Owen went for, for a belly-to-belly suplex, but he did not get Big E up all the way. And instead of Big E landing on his head, Big E unfortunately landed on his neck. Now, Big E said he's not going to need surgery. He said that, that, you know, parts of his neck were fractured, but none of it was dislocated. They're not going to have to put it back together. It's just a small fracture. It sounds like he will be okay, and it sounds like Big E will make a full recovery. And again, prayers out to you, Big E, because that was a scary situation. You have that. You also had Brock Lesnar chasing Paul Amen out of the building. You add on to that, Naomi and Sasha Banks defeating Natalia and Shayna Baszler. It seems like Natalia and Shayna Baszler are going to be added to that Women's Tag Team Championship match like the way Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan were on Monday Night Raw. That Women's Tag Team title match is going to be made into a fatal four-way with all four seemingly, it feels like, made-up teams since they cut so many women over the last year. But it was a really good SmackDown Without Roman Reigns, without the Tribal Chief, without the head of the table, without the Universal Champion, definitely a solid show. Let's see what happens tonight on Monday Night Raw, and let's see what happens this coming Friday night on SmackDown when Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar go face to face. But without a doubt, the start of this show was one that's behind me here in my virtual background if you're watching on video, one Pat McAfee. Folks. Well, it is time. We have been waiting all show to do this. The madness is here. March Madness is here. All 72 teams are going to be cut down to 68 by Wednesday night going into Thursday. The tournament will start. There certainly isn't as much buzz around this tournament as there has been in the past. But there are certainly some good matchups and some good underseeds that I like to possibly go the distance, if not make a long run in this tournament. So without further ado, if you are listening on, on audio, keep listening on audio. If you are listening on video on the Brands World YouTube channel, what I'm going to go ahead and do real quick is share my screen. And that's why if you are listening on, on audio, you may want to go to the YouTube channel and take a look at this because I have pulled up here the official bracket of the 2022 Men's Tournament Challenge on ESPN.com. And we are going to go through the entire bracket right now on this podcast. This is going to be the official Brandon's World March Madness bracket. And folks, if you want to tweet at me at real underscore P World and change some of my picks, or if you want to comment on the YouTube channel, however you want to reach me, Go ahead and do that. This could be your bracket as well. Let's try to win some money. And let's try to be the only person in the world to have a perfect bracket. 
I've done more research than I have in typical in years past when it comes to college basketball because I'm helping out some of my friends with, with an auctioneer for the March Madness bracket. Very excited to do that. So again, I've done more research than I have typically in the past. I feel like I have a more understanding of the March Madness tournament this year. Without further ado, here we go. We're starting things off in the West region. Number one seed, Gonzaga, will defeat number 16, Georgia State. I believe number nine, Memphis, is a dark horse here. Now, if they did not get Gonzaga in round two, I think Memphis could make a run potentially to the Elite Eight of the Final Four. I really like Memphis this year. I think that they knock off Boise State in our first quote-unquote upset. Now, I'm going to take UConn, who I also like a lot this year, over New Mexico State. Now, Vermont and Arkansas, now you take a look at these statistics that they have here on ESPN.com. You can see they are very similar to this. You can see Vermont 17-1 in the conference. You can see against the top 25, though, Vermont did not play many top 25 teams. They only played one top 25 team. They went 0-1, particularly Vermont's defense. They only give up 60 points a game while averaging 75. On the other hand, Arkansas, they give up almost 69 points a game, but they score 77. I think it's a closer game than people think, but I will take Arkansas here over Vermont. Now, Alabama, we don't know who their opponent is. They're going to play either Rutgers or Notre Dame, but I believe at least for the first round, Alabama will win. So give me Alabama there, who's a 60. Up next, number three, Texas Tech against number 14, Montana State. I'll take number three, Texas Tech. Number seven, Michigan State against number 10, Davidson. I'll take Michigan State. And number two, Duke. I'll take to beat USC Fulton. So in the West region, the only upset, quote-unquote, I have here is number nine, Memphis over eight, Boise State. Going down to the East region. Or excuse me, let's not do that. I'm, I'm not going to go in and, and, and edit this out because I'm doing this on the fly. Let's just take care of the West region. We'll go region by region. So let's go then to the round of 32. You would have Gonzaga against Memphis. And as I have already said, I like Memphis a lot. You think of their statistics. Again, Memphis is averaging giving up 68 a game. Gonzaga is 65. First top 25, Memphis won 3-1. Gonzaga went five and three. You can see the conference. While well, Memphis went thirteen and five, they got hot late to end the season. Gonzaga thirteen and one, but they went a mid-major conference. You can see Gonzaga's uh, points per game, but obviously they said they dominated a mid-major conference. I think this is a very close game. I think Memphis could very well upset Gonzaga. So I think Gonzaga is at least a lock for the Final Four. I think that they are on a revenge course for what Baylor did to them last season. I got Gonzaga beating Memphis. But again, would I be surprised if Memphis wins? I would not. Now, at number five versus number three, I'm going to take UConn, who I already said I really like a lot that you're a very experienced team. I'm going to take UConn to upset Arkansas. That's going to make Gonzaga against UConn in the Sweet 16, which again, is another big matchup for Gonzaga. They have a tough road, in my opinion, to get to that Final Four. Now, Alabama against Texas Tech. I'm going to take Texas Tech over Alabama. 
my typical rule here is I do not love basketball schools that are football schools like your Alabama, your LSU's, your, your Ohio State. I tend to take your Dukes, your North Carolinas, your Kansas, your more basketball schools, excuse me, than football schools. So that's where I'll go with that. Now, number seven against number two here, Michigan State against Duke. Duke is the number two seed, but there's something off this year. Duke did not win the ACC tournament. I know this is Coach K's last season. They could be inspired to do this because you never know when it's going to be Coach K's last game at Duke as Duke head coach. But I believe Michigan State got Duke a couple years ago. I think Tom Izzo knows okay and Michigan State went on a good run in the Big Ten tournament. I like Michigan State here to upset Duke and take on Texas Tech then in the Sweet 16. Now, here we go. In the Sweet 16, you got Gonzaga against UConn. As I mentioned, another tough road for Gonzaga, but I believe they barely squeaked this one out as well. Texas Tech against Michigan State. You take a look at the statistics here. Now, these are two very close ball games. Receiver to the top 25. Texas Tech has the advantage in the conference. Texas Tech has, has the advantage. They're a very good basketball team. You take a look at notable results. Gonzaga, they lost by 14, but they did beat Baylor twice. Michigan State did lose to Kansas. They lost to Iowa. They lost to Baylor. I like Texas Tech here, the number three seed, to match up with Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. And then I will take Gonzaga to go to the Final Four. I like Gonzaga, as I said, I feel like that they're destined to make the Final Four. But could I very well see, in some of these brackets, I will do this. I'll take Memphis in an upset, or I'll take UConn in an upset. Absolutely. Again, I thought Gonzaga is destined to make it, but they're going to have a tough road to New Orleans and the Final Four. Let's move on to the South Conference. I like I, I, I like Arizona here as the number one seed. Now, number eight versus number nine seed all against TCU. I, you know, this is a real awesome game because as much as I like seeing all, I feel like they're usually a one and done team. They'll usually one win one game and move out. I'll take them here. I'll take Seton Hall over TCU or Arizona against Seton Hall. Now, Houston against UAB. I'm going to take Houston. Illinois at the number four spot against Shedetoga, who was a 13. I'll take number four, Illinois there. Number six, Colorado State against number 11, Michigan. Now, up until yesterday, Michigan wasn't even protected to make the tournament. I think coming off the Juwan Howard thing and all that, I think they're going to be eliminated pretty, pretty quickly here. I'll take number six, Colorado State. Number three, Tennessee. I'll take the defeat number 14, Longwood. Now, here is my projected upset in this region, in the South region. I like way old Chicago to upset Ohio State, who got bounced early in the Big Ten tournament by Penn State. We know way old Chicago. We know Sister Jean. We know this team likes to ride and create upsets in the tournament. We know their experience. I'm going to take way old Chicago, and I'll take Villanova as well to defeat Delaware. So that sets up, again, now back in the top of the bracket, Arizona against C. All. 
in the round of 32. Arizona this year is one of the best teams in the country. I'm going to take number one, Arizona. Now, number five, Houston against number four, Illinois. This is a very, very interesting matchup. You take a look at their opponent's points per game. Obviously, Houston, very good defensive team. Only give up 59 points a game. They, they did not play anybody, though, in the top 25. They went 0-1. Illinois. Four and four in the top 25, particularly their notable results. Illinois, they lost Arizona by only four. Houston, the, the, you know, against Wisconsin, they took an L by two. At Alabama, they took a loss by one. They have defeated Memphis this year. They have defeated SMU. They defeated Oregon this year. Illinois, as I already mentioned, they lost to Arizona. They lost to Purdue. Iowa, though, they defeated Wisconsin, they defeated. But they lost to Ohio State, but they defeated Michigan State. I want to mix bags here from Illinois. I'm going to take number five, Houston, in an upset, quote-unquote, against the number four seed, Illinois. Now, number six, Colorado State, against number three, Tennessee. Tennessee, of course, won the SEC. I'm going to take Tennessee. And I like Villanova. We all know how great Jay Wright is as a coach, but this is another, in my opinion, trap game here against Loyola of Chicago. I think will play their hearts out. I think they will play their dogs out, but I think it's a close loss. I'll take number two, Villanova. That sets up then in the Sweet 16, Arizona against Houston and Tennessee against Villanova. I believe that, that Arizona picks up a win here, and I think Tennessee, the SEC champs, are ready for Villanova. It will once again be a one versus three, and give me Arizona against Tennessee in the Elite Eight. I will take Arizona, as I already mentioned, boom, out of the South. So you have Arizona and Gonzaga as two of your final four teams. I believe two number one seeds to make the final four, that being Gonzaga and Arizona. Gonzaga certainly has its upper road though than Arizona. Moving on to the East region here. I believe Baylor takes out Norfolk State. I think North Carolina takes out Marquette. Very close game, but I like North Carolina. I think St. Mary's will win against this plant order right here. You take a look, or excuse me, I, I clicked the wrong button if, if you're watching on video. You take a look at the numbers here. SMU, a uh, pretty good basketball team here for St. Mary's. I'm going to take St. Mary's. Now, UCLA is facing Akron, who obviously defeated Kent State in the match. Tournament Bonds after Kent State pulled their little stunt last Friday night. We talked about that on the Austin Arnold Show. Let's get it straight yesterday. Again, make sure to go check that podcast out. But I'm going to take your UCLA over Akron. Now, Texas against Virginia Tech. You take with these numbers. I was not the biggest fan of Texas this year. Yes, they won 21 in the lottery, but only 3 of 8 against the top 25. I give you Virginia Tech went 2 and 3, but these are very balanced teams. You take a look at their top results here. Texas, they got destroyed by Gonzaga. They did beat Kansas, but they lost to Baylor. They lost to Texas Tech. They barely beat Tennessee. Now, on the other side, West Virginia Tech, they beat Duke. They beat North Carolina this year. They did lose, however, to Wake Forest. They lost to Xavier. They lost to Dane. They did beat Notre Dame. So, again, a big bag here. But as I said, I haven't loved Texas all year. I think we get an upset here. I think Virginia Tech knocks off Texas. 
Now I'll take Purdue over Yale and Murray State against San Francisco. San Francisco is a very guard level team. Take a look. These two, most of these guys are not playing many top 25 teams. Murray State, though, went undefeated in their conference compared to San Francisco. Obviously, Murray State has a lot tougher of a conference. I'm going to take Murray State here over San Francisco, and I'll take Kentucky over St. Ears. So my big upset here is, again, Virginia Tech over Texas. Now, I have a big upset here in the round of 32, though. I'm going to take North Carolina over Baylor, and I'm going to take UCLA over St. Mary's. I don't think Baylor is as good as last year. I think they are frauds. I think North Carolina is a very experienced basketball team, and I think Baylor is one of the first number one seeds to be eliminated. Now, Virginia Tech against Purdue. I'll take Purdue. Kentucky against Murray State. I'll take Kentucky. That sets up in the Sweet 16. Five versus, or excuse me, eight versus four. North Carolina against UCLA. And as I mentioned, there's something about North Carolina. They just knocked off Baylor. I think they go in against a very good UCLA team. I think they pulled the upset. I put North Carolina in my Elite Eight to take on Kentucky. And I think they do fall eventually to Kentucky. So in my Final Four, on one side, I have Gonzaga, the number one seed, against the number two seeded Kentucky. Now, you take a look here. Number one, Kansas, I'm going to take in the Midwest. I'm going to take San Diego State, number eight, over number nine, Creighton. I'm going to take number five, Iowa, over number 12, Richmond. I'm going to take number four, Providence, over number 12, South Dakota State. I'm going to take number six, LSU, over number 11, Iowa State. And I'm going to take number three, Wisconsin, over number 14, Colgate. Here is my upset in the uh, Midwest region. I'm going to take number 10 Miami over 7 USC. I'll take Auburn at number 2 over 15 Jacksonville State. That sets up the round of 32 between Kansas and San Diego State. Now, I love Kansas this year as much as I love the, you know, Kentucky and Gonzaga. I think those should be the free favorites. I'm going to take Kansas here, and I'm going to take Iowa, who's been a very good basketball team this season, playing well as a way to upset number four, Providence. That'll put in the Sweet 16, Kansas against Iowa. LSU against Wisconsin. Wisconsin is one of my favorite teams in the tournament. I'm going to take Wisconsin at number three, taking on number two, Auburn. But I'm going to have Wisconsin win that matchup against Auburn, and I'm going to have Kansas win that matchup against Wisconsin. So you have Kansas against Wisconsin here, number one against number three. The winner faces number one, Arizona. I think Wisconsin's a very good basketball team, but I think they fall to number one, Kansas. I have three number one seeds in my final four this year, with number two, Kentucky, being the other team. I'm going to take Kansas against Kentucky. I believe in the national championship, and this year, I believe Bill Self against John Calipari. I believe John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats as the number two seed take home 
the national championship trophy. Again, let me know if you disagree with any of my picks. Well, that'll do it today for this special episode of Brands World. I thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back on Thursday. Legal tampering and the National Football League starts at noon Eastern when this podcast will be uploaded. So this podcast will already be uploaded by the time the new league year tampering begins. We're going to break down all of the NFL free agency stuff. We might even get to some baseball stuff. Who knows? And then on Friday, man, I'm going to bring on my co-host from the All Things Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. There's a reason why I don't talk a lot of Cavaliers on here, because I talk Cavs every week with my man Joey Schneider from the Lee Win Media. Joey will be on here. We're not going to talk a lot of Cavs because you can hear us talk Cavs on that Believe Win Media podcast. We're going to be talking about how shocked we are that the MLB lockout is actually over. Plus, we're going to talk all that moving stuff in the NFL, along with Tom Brady coming back. What do the Browns do a wide receiver? What do the Browns do a quarterback? And we'll dive into some professional wrestling stuff as well as we get close to two weeks until the most stupendous WrestleMania in history at WrestleMania 38. That's all the time we have for today's podcast. As always, make sure to check it out wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys on Thursday. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. And peace.